It is good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. I know that most of us have probably not recovered yet from last night. I told Marissa, I said, I'm going to be glad to get home and, and take a good nap maybe today. We'll see. Uh, maybe you feel the same way, but nevertheless, it is good for us to be here. It's always a privilege for us to be able to worship God. And of course, our lesson for today is on worship. And, and it's something that we should take very seriously, and we do. And, and, and I hope that, that we bring glory and honor to God today, just like we would any other Sunday. This is the second part of last week's lesson. Our theme is, if I only followed the Word of God, what would I learn about? And today we're going to talk about the worship of the church, part two. Now last week, we talked about the basics of worship. We defined worship as God being the object of our worship. And we all also understand about worship that we bring glory and honor to God through our actions and desire to serve Him according to the authority of His Word. We understand that worship is a gift from God to man, a way in which man can express his love and appreciation to God for all that He has done for us. We talked about the four forms of worship. Vain worship was the first. Worship that is in action what God wants but is given for the wrong reason or with the wrong attitude or heart. And so worship is given in vain. We also talked about ignorant worship. Worship of God through the worshipers, though the worshipers don't truly know Him. They don't know who they serve. Um, Paul, going through Athens, found a good example of that. They worship all kinds of gods and, and different idols and deities, but they didn't know God. They were so superstitious that they had an idol to the unknown God, and that was the one that Paul presented to them, the one that they did not know. They worshipped in ignorance. We also see will worship, worship that is more about bringing glory to self than to God. And the fourth form of worship was true worship. Worship that is given only according to the authority given in God's Word and is done with the proper intent and a heart set on bringing glory and honor to God. We talked about what it means to worship in spirit and truth. And that was the first point of these lessons. In spirit meaning according to the nature of God who is also spirit. And not after the fleshly ordinances of the Old Covenant, as we read in Hebrews 9 and verse 10. But worship that comes from within the heart. Our worship should come from within. Whenever it comes from our heart, we are worshiping in spirit. And in truth, worship that is in accord with the truth of God's Word. Worship that is in accord with the New Testament, rather than the commands of the Old the former covenant, we understand, was nailed to the cross. Colossians 2 and verse 14. And so today we follow the commands of the new covenant established with the shedding 
of Christ's blood for the sins of mankind. Our current study pertains to other commands that are given regarding worship. Today we're going to look at how worship is to be for the purpose of edification. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 26. And also how worship is to be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40. We'll also take a look at how the acts of worship provided by the New Testament authority assist us in worshiping according to these commands. And a majority of our lesson will come from 1 Corinthians 14. If you want to be turning there. And that will be our first point also. 1 Corinthians 14 verses 26 through 40. Now before we get into what is said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want to preface it by stating that we have a duty to rightly divide the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. As we look at the importance of rightly dividing the word of truth, I think some translations put it handling aright the word of truth. And both are, are correct. We have to differentiate between uh, the commands of the Old Testament to the commands of the New. And we're doing a lot of that today. But even in the New Testament, we understand that there were certain things in the worship of the first century church that are no longer part of our worship today. Namely, gifts of prophecy and speaking in tongues. These things are not present in the worship of the church today. These are included in the short list of things that were presently used in the New Testament church as far as what we're reading is concerned but that are no longer in use today. I wanted to begin by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now let's look at what it says in verses 8 through 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 12. This is a chapter preceding the chapter we're going to be in today. But in chapter 13, we know this as the love chapter. It talks a great deal about love and how our love is to be expressed toward one another. And without love, it doesn't matter what we do because all we do is in vain. We have to do everything in love. And it says in verse 8 that love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man... I put away childish things. 
For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Love is greater than the miraculous gifts that the Corinthian church prided themselves in. They prided themselves in them so much that Paul wrote to them about them in this letter. And he says that love is greater. There would come a time when these Corinthians would be called to a greater maturity in their worship. When these gifts, once necessary for their growth, would be done away with. When that which is perfect has come. Things such as prophecy, tongues, and special knowledge would vanish away. There would no longer be need for these special gifts. It's disputed as to what that which is perfect means. And there are many through the denominations that believe this to be heaven. But I think there are some things that would contradict that thought as well. What is that which is perfect? I believe it to be the completed canon of the scriptures. When we have the, the full word of God in front of us. When we have the perfect knowledge of everything necessary for faith and obedience. Everything through the fullness of time. That God is presenting to us from the Old Testament to Revelation. When we have God's completed word in front of us. We no longer have need for these spiritual gifts. Because we have everything that we need. We can become a Christian based on what is said in, in the New Testament. We can be a part of the Lord's church, His kingdom, based on what we are told in the New Testament. God's complete will for us is revealed in His Word. And even the old law was referred to as perfect. Because it was of God. Psalm 19 and verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And so we have the fullness of the word of God before it. And the gifts that are spoken of in this letter to the Corinthians today, in our day and time, are no longer necessary. Now as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and we get into verse 26 and following, we see that there were problems with the worship of the Corinthians. Now there are some difficult things in these verses to understand. I'll try to go through each of those as they come about. Let's just read verses 26 through 40, 1 Corinthians 14. How is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed 
to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now again, the spiritual gifts, among other things, were being misused in worship. As according to verse 26. Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation... And it says, let all things be done for edification. Let all things be done for edification. Edification should still be priority today. Even in worship, where spiritual gifts, such as those mentioned, are no longer present. Edification was important to them. And so it is important to us today. What we understand from what we read here in chapter 14 is that chaos does not support edification, but instead confusion. And it goes into great detail about how they were using speaking in tongues and, and everyone was coming with these things and, and they, they took great pride in what they were doing and how they were worshiping, and yet Paul is telling them it's not being done in edification. There's a problem here. And so as you read through verses 27 through 33, that's what he's dealing with. All their, the things that they took pride in, and, and these things are not being used for edification. He also says here in verses 34 and 35, let your women keep silent in the churches. I remember a few years ago, I, I remember having a conversation about this with Brother Jeff Adcock. And, and he said something that I thought was just good stuff as, as far as these verses are concerned. Whenever we look at these verses, we often look at them from the standpoint of it's telling women what they can't do in worship. But Jeff pointed out something that I hadn't thought of. He looked at it from a different point of view. He was looking at it from the men's standpoint. And what it's telling men that they should do. Men should step up. 
Men should be willing to lead in worship. They should be ready to do that so that the women wouldn't have to. Men are to be the head of the home. Men are given priority in that area. And they should be willing to serve in a leadership role in the worship. I thought that was very interesting. I remember I had a friend of mine that was a part of a denomination. And she asked me about these verses as well. And I told her that I thought it was great. And she hasn't spoken to me since. So, you know, it can go either way, I guess. But it is important what Paul is addressing here in their church services, in their worship, and even in ours today. We find reasoning for what Paul writes here in his first letter to Timothy. When he says in chapter 2, in verses 11 through 14, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. Now I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Something that we have to keep in mind is, is going back to the days of Adam and Eve. Man was created first. And being created first, he was given priority in leadership. A woman was created to be his helper. I wonder just from a personal standpoint, why did Satan tempt Eve and not Adam? Why did he go after her first? And I'm not saying necessarily that it was because she was weaker or anything like that. But Adam's duty was to protect her from harm and temptation. But when she came to him and she tempted him, then he gave in to her. Nevertheless, man is still to lead his family. And he is still given priority of leadership in the church. And it's not something that, that's supposed to be a burden to us or anything like that. It's not something to be looked negatively upon. It's the way that God wants it. He wants man to lead. And men, it is our duty, it is our responsibility to lead. And worship in the church, it is our responsibility to be leaders. Verses 36 through 38 I speak again of the Word of God giving credence to what Paul said in the previous chapter. And we find that all of worship is to be done with the purpose of edification, building up in mind, just as it was to be done when Paul wrote these words to the Corinthians. And so today, we are given the purpose of building each other up in the worship. Paul also commanded that all that is done in worship should be done decently and in order. Uh, again, we think of the chaos that was present in the Corinthian church. Everything is to be done decently and in order. They were to speak one at a time, verse 27. 
If there was no interpreter, if they could not be understood in the congregation, they should remain silent because there's no edification in doing that. Verse 28. And in reference to the submission of women in silence, the Corinthians were to give order to those who hold leadership in the church. Verses 34 and 35. Proper worship is done in a seemly matter, manner. That which fits the occasion. The worship fits with the nature of God. It's spiritual worship. It's what we need to do. And this worship supports edification. And that's what makes it true worship. And for the remainder of our lesson, I want us to look at the acts of worship and how they support the things that we've been studying about over the last couple of weeks. How do the acts of worship reflect in spirit and truth? For edification and decently and in order. I didn't know exactly how I wanted to put all this together. So I'm going to go through the verses and I may not hit on all three of those things in every act of worship but know that they are there. But let's begin with our singing. How does our singing support true worship? Look at the commands. Ephesians 5 and verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3 and verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 15. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. That last one is pretty easy. Sing with the Spirit. If we're going to worship in spirit and truth, we have to sing with the Spirit, and that supports it. As we look at edification, notice the words speaking to one another in Ephesians 5.19. And in Colossians 3.16, teaching and admonishing one another. That's edification, that's building up. We build each other up when we sing. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's spiritual worship. Comes from the heart. Using psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's decently and in order. We use only these things to worship God. We don't need to add to them. What we have is, is, is just what we need. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And the use of those are true worship to God. They help us to obey that command. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's the only melody that we have to make. Melody in our heart. You may not be able to carry a tune in the bucket. It doesn't matter. I have a friend that says that all the time. But it doesn't matter when it comes to worship what you sound like physically. Whatever you sound like here within your heart is a melody to God. 
pray. 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 through 4. Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. I exhort. These things are used in a way to edify one another. To build up the body. Verse 2. For kings and all who are in authority. We may lead a quiet and peaceable life. In all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who desires all men to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. And again going back to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. Worshiping in spirit and in truth. And I will also pray with the understanding. When it comes to preaching. In Acts 20 and verse 7. Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. Paul ready to depart the next day spoke to them. And continued his message until midnight. They came together. This is something that they were doing on a regular basis. It wasn't something that was sporadic and because Paul was there, they came together. No, they were doing it regularly. On the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul delivered a message to them. Preaching should be a part of the worship. In Romans 10 verses 14 and 15, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. How can we be edified and built up in our knowledge of the word if there aren't any preachers and teachers? Edification is very important. Preaching supports edification. If you're listening, you're doing so with the spirit of being able to receive it. We talked a little bit about that in our Bible class. And it should be done decently and in order. There doesn't have to be a lot of chaos. Usually in the assemblies of the church, you might hear an amen now and then. But we try to keep things in a decent and orderly manner when it comes to our preaching. The Lord's Supper. The command is given in Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood. Of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We continue to partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of every week, just as the, the disciples did, and as they were commanded to continue in. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're told how to do this. Now in giving these instructions, 
I do not praise you, verse 17, since you come together not for the better but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, and the, another is drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. In the next few verses uh, give reference to the command that Jesus gave and uh, the one that we just read in Matthew 26. But in verse 26 of chapter 11, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. We keep doing this until He comes. And therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks the, this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. We were talking in class not too long ago in the preaching school about those who serve the Lord's Supper. And a comment was made that if we allow those to serve the Lord's Supper that aren't worthy to partake themselves, that are guilty of the, the body and the blood of, of Christ, and we allow them to serve the congregation. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. This reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order. When I come, there is a way that they were to take the Lord's Supper. There is a way that it was to be observed every first day of the week. It was to be done in a decent and orderly manner, as Paul specifies here. It's something that is edifying. It builds up the body. It helps us to remember the Lord's death. It helps us to proclaim His death until He comes. And finally, giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And some give reference to this as a, a one-time thing, but, but it was something that other churches have been commanded to do. And today it's a good way for us to give to have our, our funds ready whenever need arises. And so we continue to take up a collection. And Paul again specifies how to do that in his second letter to the Corinthians in verse, chapter 9 and verse 6. But this I say, he, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He is dispersed abroad, He is given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. We're not to give in a grudging way. We're not to just pull out our wallets and pull out uh, something, whatever we have left. We're to give. We're to purpose what we give. We're to give in a cheerful manner. Those things are important. It supports edification. It's done in a decent way. It's done from the heart. It's, it's in spirit and according to the truth of God's Word. All of these things support all three of those things. In spirit and truth. For edification. Decently and in order. In our worship and service to God, it is important that we recognize the importance of doing all to the glory of God. All for the purposes that we've already mentioned. Our goal is to make sure that our worship to God is true worship. Rather than vain or ignorant or will worship that we read about elsewhere in Scripture, we want our worship to bring glory and honor to God. We are to worship only by the authority of God. And so we do things the way we do for that reason. We do it His way, not our way. Because He is the object of our worship. Are you a Christian? Are you a faithful child of God? Are you worshiping in a way that brings glory and honor to God? Or is something not right in your heart? Making your worship in essence, if nothing else, in vain. If your heart is not right with God, we give you the opportunity, as we always do. Don't put it off if you have a reason to respond. If there is a way that we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.